0: hi everybody welcome to critical q a number 437 live streaming uh today and as you can see this week uh because we did not do our critical conversation show on friday i asked my beautiful wife melissa to be part of the show. Hello. So uh, here we are uh, today. I see some of the usual suspects uh, and critics in the comments. Hey, everybody. So happy you are joining us. Uh, Hey, Pete. See you over here from Discord. Um, Awesome. Uh, By the way, if you guys don't know, there is a uh, SPTV Discord uh, run by Michelle Carpenter that is kind of fun and very chill and a nice place to hang out and talk about things, Uh, if you guys haven't checked that out. Uh, you should get an invitation. Uh, Discord's an interesting place. Uh, it's not any different or uh, any harsher or nicer than any other social media platform. It's it's what you make it. Um, but the but it's an interesting place to to interact and create all these threads and do all this stuff. Excuse me. I uh, I'm not going to create my own Discord. I don't have time for that on top of everything else I'm doing. But it is fun to. Um, To get into uh, other people's discords and mess around. Um, (laughs) After 400 plus episodes, I have absolutely run out of interesting questions to ask. (laughs) I will have to have a think. I love Food Kitchen. I I understand. I understand. Uh, Yes, we did have a uh, fun time on Friday. What happened was there was a uh, hub The Secular Hub here in Denver has a yearly uh, volunteer appreciation dinner, and we were invited to that, and I didn't want to blow that off uh, because I love the Hub and I like volunteering there, and I do, you know, uh, talks and stuff like that there. And um, I don't know, you know, maybe I'm uh, thinking about a future where maybe I, you know, look at going going for the board again or something. I want to be part of that group more. I, I feel now not so discordant (laughs) towards groups (laughs) uh and being part of them and maybe i'm kind of looking to reach out again and be part of something i was on the board for two years of directors of the hub and it was um it was an interesting very very educational experience to do that and um and maybe i'll get into that again now let's set up our Q&A box. Uh, let's get the questions going because I realized I forgot to do that. Start a QA and a and I will put a comment up on here that will be posted. Please put your questions below this comment. Come on now. There we go. All right. Um, If I can, there we go. Start Q and A. All right, good. So now I am not going to be seeing most of the comments in this box here, as we go, um, because I'm going to be looking at them uh, on the Q and A here. Yes, I think that's how that works. Yeah. Okay. So. If you have any questions for me or Melissa or us, um, put them in this uh, little box. In the, the little box there, <laughs> yeah. I think, that's, I think that's how that works. I'm not seeing. Oh, let's switch over to that's why I'm not seeing. Let's switch over to the host and chat box screen. That's what it was confusing me. Uh, it'll switch over in a second on the screen there. Live streaming, you know, you try to remember all these things. Teal Swan, am I a cult leader? Wow. I would be amazed if Teal Swan was watching my show right now. Um... But and just
1: boldly calling herself Teal Swan.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Coming onto my channel, that would be amazing. I'm going to assume that's a sock account of somebody. But yeah, Teal Swan does run a cult. Yeah, that's th- there's not a lot of question about that. Mm. The documentaries uh, about her, and if you just go to her channel and watch her content uh, and learn about um, the inner circle and the, the people that you know she keeps around her and how she treats them and what she advises people to do, is um is kind of classically internet guru kind of stuff. Uh so yeah, I mean I haven't covered Teal in a few years now. I did an interview with somebody who was actually part of Teal's group and was working for years trying to, you know, apply her principles and concepts and be close to her and get up on her and that kind of thing and In other words, because she does all this personal work with people, and I think they call it shadow work or something, if I remember right. And that's some psych, that's a, that's, I guess there's a valid psychological practice of that, but what she's doing with it, as usual, with these, with these kind of off kilter, you know, internet guru types, is they, you know, they, 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 you know how it is. (laughs) Anyway, so that's who Teal Swan is. Okay, great. Okay, so some questions are coming in. Let's, and make sure, yeah, there we go. Okay, good. So let's go ahead and just start taking them. Did we have, um, oh, no, I had something else to, to, to show you guys as well. Uh, for our, uh, since again, since we missed Friday. Yes. Oh, yeah. There it is. Our. Our. Uh, Benson there Cam, he is. our Snuggles Not Struggles Cam. He's so cute. Yeah, you thought you were going to miss out this week, but I, uh, we got him on there and, uh, there he he's is. his
1: little sweater. Yes,
0: his little turtleneck. Cause it's
1: been so <laughs> darn cold.
0: Yes. Yeah. We went out for a walk this morning and, uh, he's, uh, anyway, so this is our little bundle of furry joy. This is Benson. Um, our little Shih Tzu lasso mix is what we believe he is. He's a rescue. And, uh, and we get film of him uh, on a weekly basis. You can see our struggles, Not, uh, Snuggles Not Struggles cam on our Friday shows. And, uh, and we show about a minute of Benson being Benson.
1: That face.
0: Oh, just so cute. So will let you just uh, sort of suck up the cuteness here. This is what we live with daily. And uh, it is quite a chore. It's quite a burden. Yeah. Uh, being sure, you know, a burden being, being left with that. <laughs> yeah. So that's our <laughs> that's our Benson. All right. Um, let's go ahead and start getting into your questions. This being a Q and A show, and I think uh, folks having having arrived here now. Um, I don't even know where we're at in terms of um, viewers and all that. Where are we? Where do we stand here right now? Okay, cool. All right. Let's go to this screen and then that. All right. Here we go. x asks, have you been to Glenwood Hot Springs? It's off of I-70 about three hours west of Denver. You can take a train there and back too. Um, I did not know there was a train yes, that went there. I did. Oh, you did? Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, along I seventy or something? Or?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know, like exactly the route, but I knew there was a train. I've always driven down there, but. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. I well. keep trying to get him to go. Haven't gone. <laughs>
0: no. Haven't gone. Now I'm gonna be. um, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that when I first read this question in my mind, what I thought I was reading was Gilman Hot Springs, which is near where the base is, and um, and the the gold base right in California. And I thought three hours. That seems awful short amount of time is it a bullet train and then i was like we don't have one of those
1: but then i I was
0: like no 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 glenwood hot spring okay so anyway no i have not been there yet um and uh maybe we'll go
1: yeah we should
0: we should okay well apparently we should um all right vernon asks uh oh let me throw these on the screen i forgot i can put these up on the screen here too let's make sure that's going up there um do Scientology orgs follow child labor laws or are their children under 16 working as staff members? generally speaking scientology organizations do not pay a lot of attention to child labor laws <laughs> nor are they required to, yeah exactly <laughs> nor are they particularly required to because at least as i understand it because they are a religious institution which uses religious volunteers to get their work done not paid labor they're um, the, the, the the pittance that scientology pays its staff members is um, is legally, I remember this from the, from the legal contract we signed, was referred to as pocket change. And it's not, you're not obligated as a Scientology staff member to receive pay, uh, benefits, any... The, the church is not obligated in any way toward you except to give you free services in exchange for the time that you're putting in as a staff member. Um, but that's, you know, the whole thing of if you leave before your contract's up, they'll, they'll, they'll charge you for all those services. That's that whole freeloaders thing. And um, with children... I think it kind of runs along the same lines. I don't know what the... I, I've never really actually gone and looked up child labor laws versus child volunteers or how that differentiation... What, what's the what is there a gray area? How is that laid out? Legally speaking, can children come and volunteer at a church picnic or something uh, or at a church function of some kind, any kind of church? Can they? They clearly do. We see children all the time doing things for churches, Uh, whether it's administrative stuff, folding marketing materials, or sending off letters, or doing simple, simple work, right? We see this all the time. Um, So can Scientology use children for that kind of thing? You bet they do, all the time. And would that fall under child labor laws? I don't think so. I think there's a certain point in terms of hours or commitment or number Mm -hmm. of hours per week that a a person can put in. But I'm guessing about that. So if any of you all happen to know anything about that, you can throw that out there. Um, But that's um, what I can say about that, is that I don't think they're violating any law as such. I'm using all my air quotes here. and that's how they get away with it. So, yeah, the answer to the question is, do they follow child labor laws? I mean, I guess, uh, in that they're, you know, but are there children under 16 working staff members? Yes, yes, there are. And the C-Org, too. Yeah, absolutely. And and we find this kind of thing minimizing. We find it lessening over time, as there has been so much work done by You know, former Scientologists, second gen Mm -hmm. people pushing back on this kind of thing and making this, you know, out there, making noise about this in the public. And so the church hates it when when that happens. They hate being exposed for their crap. And OSA clamps down on that kind of thing. I've seen them do it. So, um, you know, so are they doing it as much now as they used to? Probably not. And I think we can safely say no. Okay, so that's my answer there. Xian. if you made stuff up about things in your past lives in session, wouldn't that tell you that the e-meter doesn't work very well as a lie detector? Oh, boy, there's a few things to unpack in that question. Let me, um,
1: <laughs> let me unpack them.
0: Uh, first off, um, oh, now make sure, guys, that you're getting your questions into the comment box, too, because I'm seeing some questions in the comment stream that are not... Uh, necessarily showing up in the um, yeah in the comment box, so make sure you get them under that Q and A question, or they won't appear on my little box here. Um, okay, so people make up things. People go into session in Scientology. They go into these auditing sessions, and they are made to relive or or re-experience past life uh, episodes or traumatic episodes in their life. Uh, this life and past lives, and obviously, from my point of view and perspective, everything past life related is made up. Just making shit up, right? Uh, It's just imagination. Now, Hubbard accounts for this in early Dianetics materials, that it's okay to make things up uh, because you're not really making things up, Uh, he says. Uh, Because, uh, yes, imagination is wonderful and all that, but at the same time, the uh, number of experiences you have had in the past uh, over the billions and trillions of years that you have existed as a spiritual entity uh, encompass every kind of experience you could ever imagine having in this and any other dimension. Um, You know, you can go into all kinds of wild and crazy places uh, with this because who's to say that over trillions and trillions of years there hasn't been magic or, (laughs) you know, all kinds of other crazy things going on in this universe, right? Uh, Hubbard talks about these things. He talks about crazy things happening here on this planet as well as in other parts of the universe. So, really, there is no limit to what you can imagine having happened to you in a past life.
1: And you sort of start believing your own crap, right? Yeah. Well, yes,
0: exact. That's exactly what happens. Is these memories have uh, power because you are told they have power. You are told <clears throat> and indoctrinated to believe. Uh, excuse me. That. Um, all kinds of things all kinds of crazy things have happened to you in the past so who's to say something comes up in the session it's not the place of the auditor hubbard makes it very very clear in a number of places it's not the place of the auditor to judge the pre-clear's experiences or tell them what is and isn't real necessarily right now when you get into certain kinds of sec checking especially this lifetime security checking where you're, you know, being uh, investigated or something, they're gonna take a very narrow view about what is and isn't real with your this lifetime stuff. But when it comes to past life stuff, anything goes. It's no holds barred. Right? It's anything goes. So, um, so as far as um, now, if you knew, I guess more along the spirit of your question, next, Sian. If you knew you were making stuff up, or you felt you were making stuff up, of course you could start doubting the e-meter if it was responding to your made up stuff. Or you could see if it were to if it were to come up after the fact of you doing this, excuse me, and you were to say, Oh, I was just making stuff up you'd probably be sat down and somebody would go over all the stuff I was just going over with you. Yeah, maybe you thought you were making stuff up. Uh... Probably you weren't. See, probably you weren't. You just think you were, right? And they'd try to convince you of that. I could see I could see doing a handling like that on somebody who was saying stuff like that. But the truth is that, yes, if you were to make things up and get away with it in an auditing session and and you knew you were making it up and you knew you were getting away with it, that could very definitely be a nail in the coffin of your doubt and you know wonderings about whether scientology was real or not The the nobody in scientology though thinks about the e-meter as a lie detector they think about it as a thing that is registering charge on trauma or mental mass right that you're carrying around with you and that's a little bit different than a lie detector. So just to just to clarify that point, Scientologists aren't thinking about it quite exactly that way. At least I didn't, and I didn't, you know, when I was indoctrinating people on how the E meter works in Scientology and stuff, I I would I would shy away from trying to compare it to a lie detector because that would be too well, I don't want to use the word, but well just I mean Scientology's right? It would be too woggy. It would be to, you know, it would be bringing that 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 external world into the Scientology world, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, so thank you for that question. Next, Cyan. Uh, also says here, I hear it was a bit chilly in Denver last week. It must feel, uh, where is it? Like a heat wave now. Yeah, it was a balmy 43 degrees taking Benson out for his walk this morning. And it was almost T-shirt weather. <laughs> exactly.
1: It's been so cold.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, Leslie Bishop asks, what is the group that you belong to? The Hub. Yes, let me tell you, because I love this place. It's the Secular Hub. It is a group that that uh, I first found on Meetup. It's where I met my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you tell them what the Hub is?
1: It's basically a place for people that uh, either never had religion or no longer have religion. Um, they are just secular hang out, find community, they have a secular AA kind of group, they have other kind of secular groups, like Recovering from Religion and stuff like that, they have science talks, they have all kinds of speakers come, um, the cool one is Sundays, they do basically coffee and community, which is just people sitting around having coffee and snacks and bullshitting, and it's awesome, you know, like the fun part of church without the church, the after part. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's the Secular Hub, and there's a lot of great people there, a lot of fun. and
0: Nice. Yeah. Oh, and
1: they even have, like, a Secular Scouts now, which is sort of like, um, you know, it's for kids, young kids, and they teach them the same kind of thing that you would learn in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, you know, camping skills and life skills and that sort of thing, And um, but there's just no religion involved. Right.
0: Exactly. They even have an AA that's yep. non-religious. Yeah. yeah, they do recovering from religion. It's a it's mm-hmm. a it's a great uh, group of people, and uh, one that I get along with uh, really well. We have a lot of common ground, and there's not a lot of the thing I appreciate about the hub is it's a place where there aren't a lot of angry militant atheists right, milling, milling right. about. Right. It's not that kind of place. We don't sit around like you know uh, hate. Uh, Hating on
1: the religious, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. You know, like
1: ah, those
0: people who believe in God, I hate those people. Yeah, we don't do any of that. That's not what's happening down there. It's a lot more creative and, and positive, yeah. Excuse me. So, that's that's why I like the hub, and that's what that's about. Okay, um, all right, figured this was going to come up. So, what's your opinion on the arrest and release of Aaron? Uh, okay, well. I have uh, we talked last week about you know some some pros and cons of protests and uh, First Amendment audits and this kind of thing and the stuff that goes on and um, what is happening right now and I have a very kind of non... Populist view, I guess you could say, of what's happening in, in Hollywood and, and with these things. I see it as a sort of, uh, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I mean, I, I've, I've listed the pros and cons, I've listed out, you know, from a fairly, you know, objective kind of, okay, let's take a look at this activity as an activity kind of thing, try to do that as best I could. So that I didn't come off like a complete jerk and just naysay or nah, all these kids and all this stuff, you know, and all right, get off my porch, you know, and all this kind of crap. Um, but I just don't see the, I just don't see the utility of it. I don't see the production or the, the effectiveness or the or or that this is helping anybody really. I, I see this is getting a lot of clicks and making an awful lot of money for a very small number of people. Uh, and none of that money is going to any survivors or cult <laughs> members or anything. And uh, but beyond that, I just have a kind of a personal issue with the entire activity because while it dra- it drags in an awful lot of attention, and there's a lot of people who are like, "Oh, it's so good because it's bringing all this attention to the abuses of Scientology." Is it? And is it the kind of attention that we want? And is this the kind of activity that's going to reward us in the future? Or is this going to get in our road? And I think this is going to get in our road. I don't think that uh, going out and getting arrested and getting in cops' faces and showing, you know, the corrupt LAPD and, and all that is useful uh, or helpful in any way. It's not... I just don't. I don't think that is the case. So I think that there are um, some very noisy people making an awful lot of noise right now. There's this idea that, um, you know, well, we're exposing, you know, all these abuses and raising public awareness and we're going to take the church down and we're going to end tax exemption. And I guess my question along those lines is how? How, how is it that, you know, filming people and yelling at Sea Org members on Hollywood Boulevard and, and decrying the abuses of Scientology on live streams, is, how is that going to result in, uh, I need those dots connected for me as to how it is that that works, because I don't see the path from that to Scientology's tax exemption being removed. Or Scientology being taken down as a as an entity in any kind of legal way, uh, I don't see it, and so I'm confused how it is that that's supposed to be, um, you know, a result of all of this. I don't I don't, I don't see that. So um, maybe somebody can explain the logic of that to me. You send me an email or something, but I don't get it. So. Um, so as far as, you know, the shenanigans of going out and getting arrested and all of that, I mean, yeah, great. You know, wonderful. I don't i don't know what else to say about that. Okay, so we'll move on. All right. XSyan asks, have you seen the movie Holy Hell? It's a true story about a cult uh, led by a mind-controlling narcissist. Yes, it is. Uh, this is um, reminding myself here. This was... Holy hell, about this uh, Jaime. Oh, that guy. Yeah, the yeah. Buddha Field. Buddha Field. Yes, I have seen it. And yes, it is a very good documentary that actually breaks down exactly how one man can take a whole bunch of people this is this was so similar to the kind of martial arts dojo cults that i've talked about the acting class cults that i've talked about where just one guy just just has this one weird trick Mm -hmm. and he gets into people's heads and this guy premeditatively did that he went and figured out how to do it and did it and uh, made himself a living uh, by having these people, these, you know, they, they became these kind of sycophantic, you know, do anything for him kind of people, uh, believing that he was gonna lead them to this sort of eternal spiritual bliss and happiness for their life. Uh, it, was, it's, it was really quite sad and it took years and years and years for a lot of these folks to wake up to the abuse that they were suffering from. Uh, so it's a good documentary, I definitely recommend watching it. And, um, and I think that whole thing has been busted up now. It broke up pretty fast after the truth started coming out. And that was part of what was documented there too. So you see the whole arc of it and that's, that's pretty cool. So I'd, I'd, I'd recommend that one. All right. X sign. We have a Mosa question here. Um, what's this one?
1: Oh, you want me to read it? Yes, for you. Melissa, you got a new job. What (laughs) did you do in your previous job? And what do you do now? What's your favorite things about both? Well, um, i start the new job tomorrow, so we'll see what my favorite thing will be about that. Um, But in my last job, I was working at a very large insurance company on their Medicare enrollment side, and I basically fixed mistakes all day long. I reviewed documents, for mistakes, fixed those, or called members to fix those, or looked at reports to find mistakes and figure out why they happened and fix those. (laughs) Um, But it's, I mean, it's more complicated than that, but that's the basics of it. And uh, it was on the Medicare side, so I learned a lot about Medicare and and how that all works. Um, My favorite part was probably the working from home the last four years, that was beautiful. Um, I'm sorry that COVID had to happen, but the plus side was I got to work from home for four years straight. (laughs) Yeah,
0: pretty much. This will be the first time we're going to be apart all day in quite a while.
1: So this new job is mostly an office. Um, once you're trained and business permitting, you can work from home a couple days a week, but still you're going into the office at least a few days a week. Um, and i don't want to say too much yet because i don't want to like jinx it or anything but like yeah it's in in a different industry and industry i've never worked in before so we'll see how that goes um yeah and i'm excited it's going to be a little bit more money it's going to be so it's going to be similar work i think it's clerical you know reviewing like different changes that you have to update in the system and and you know reviewing incoming mail and stuff like that so I think it's just going to be very similar clerical work. Awesome.
0: <laughs> cool, cool. And that's, uh, that's what we're up to here. And let's see. Okay. Young Matador. Just going down these in order here, guys. Um, You guys have got some great, I see some great questions coming up here. uh, So Young Matador asks, Do you think the ideal orgs program has now overtaken the MRH birthday game for most orgs? Or perhaps the DM birthday game is more the focus nowadays. So many pressures on orgs at the moment. Um, Yeah, I wish I could speak more intelligently about, you know, the culture of Scientology at the org staff level these days. It's been 10 years now that I've been out of that environment. And so I don't know exactly how... The spirit of the birthday game is versus the ideal org program and the rankings of those things. But they've really merged. I mean, according to a live stream we did about a year, year and a half ago, they've pretty much merged these concepts where you're not going to win the birthday game if you're not ideal and if you're not going ideal and this kind of thing. It's all about the ideal orgs. So there really has been this sort of... Flip within the Scientology world. And 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 not to get into a whole big, huge, long explanation, because we talked about this ad nauseum so many times in the past. But the birthday game is a game of expansion for Scientology organizations where they try to get their their numbers up, try to get more people in, books sold, all that kind of stuff. And they try to do more than all the other churches are doing. And and it's relative to their size um, as far as how they count the numbers, right, because it's all graphed on graphs. But anyway, that that's the short very 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 extremely (laughs) short version of what the birthday game is and the ideal org program is of course all about buying and renovating um, buildings for the churches so that they have uh, buildings to operate in and these two things have kind of come together because this has been this ideal org thing has been 20 years now and it's been Miscavige's big huge thing to put and establish scientology forever with these buildings uh, so if you're not with the ideal org program, then you're really not with Scientology and where it's going. And so the birthday game is supposed to reflect that kind of thing. So um, So yeah, I think I think uh, it, I think from the spirit of your question, if I understand it right, young Matador, I think that the ideal org program has very much overtaken Scientology's, Scientology staff and public's view of what's important, what their priority is, what it is they should be working on. The birthday game used to be everything. Everything was, was always tuned to playing the birthday game. So if you were, you were trying to get Scientologists to pay more money, be in the org more, be mm-hmm. on course more, go in session more. Like you are always able to suck them in to do more and be more part of the cult by playing the birthday game, and that was the big thing. Hell, I had people on course all night on Wednesday nights so that they could finish their courses before Thursday at 2 p.m. so that we could have the statistic for the birthday game. That's the only reason. They literally come in and study all night long, like at 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning. I'm in there in the classroom supervising wow. people who are supposed to be learning stuff, right? The, why do that? Because of the birthday game. Do they do that kind of thing now? Probably not as much. It's mostly more about money and ideal orgs. So that's... that's. I, I, I'm thinking that's how it is right now. Um, okay, Xian, A lot of questions from Xian today. This is good. Um, if thetans exist and they were to be in your living space with you, would you rather be able to see them or would you prefer they stay invisible to your eye? What do you think? If you could see spirits.
1: I think I'd rather see them to know what they're up to, man. Like, are they, what are they doing? Why, when, why are they watching me when I'm doing stuff they shouldn't be? Exactly. Watching me doing, like, exactly. where are they? What are they doing? What are they thinking? Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. I don't want them in my bedroom. <laughs> I don't want them in the bathroom. So. <laughs> I mean, who wants to see that anyway, right? <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, I uh, I would prefer to see them or, be, or per- perceive them in yes, some way. Yes, yes. Uh, if I could, but I want something substantial. I want something real. I don't want this like, oh, I can feel them in my space right. kind of thing, right?
1: Physically see them uh, in front of me. I used
0: to do that crap all the time. Oh, I can feel. Or uh-huh. or uh-huh. or in your pets in animals. I can see the little thetan in the cat's <laughs> eyes, right? Oh my little my little cat, uh, my little cat Susan definitely has a Thetan connected with it. Absolutely. I can see it. You know, I used to hear this crap all the time in Scientology. Uh, okay, let's see here. Um, where'd you guys go on your vacation last month, and what did you do? Okay, well, we talked about this in the Critical uh, Conversation show. I kind of broke down. It was mostly a staycation. Mel worked. Um, Boo. Yeah, because it wasn't a vacation <laughs> for both of us. It was more of a, of a time off for me, right, and just kind of get my head out of the – out of the space for a bit so I could kind of get my perspective back on my work and what I'm doing here and, and the bigger picture of all of this, right? And the fads versus the mission of helping people and trying to get done what we really need to get done with cults, which is expose the abuses, help the survivors, and get people out of them. That's the work. And everything else is just noise and distraction as far as I'm concerned. That's my work on it. I know other people have other slants and angles they go at it with. And, you know, I don't know. I guess more power to them except for the fact that it cuts across what we're trying to do. Anyway, I'm going off the question here. But um, I went out and saw my mom and my um, brother and his family and met my niece. Had a really great time out in California for a few days. And then the rest of the time we were basically chilling here yeah right i was bothering mel a lot
1: yeah and i i worked massive overtime it was awesome
0: yes well while well, <laughs> i was taking time off mel was actually getting mandatory overtime uh from anthem so
1: Ooh. yeah
0: pretty wild stuff um okay so that was my vacation it was good stuff uh vernon did you know mark fisher and janice gillum grady when you were in scientology no i did not I did not know either of them until after I got out. I have met them, interacted with them, but we don't really talk or, or connect or have much of a relationship at this point. Um, Janice wrote a uh, a couple books, by the way, Commodore's messenger part one, two, and I think three uh, definitely worth reading. Definitely worth checking out. Um, and I think they have a YouTube channel or something. Okay.
1: No, Melissa does not have a quote to answer you guys. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sorry. I spaced on that. I, because I usually do it on Fridays, and I wasn't thinking about it today, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think she even spaced on it. I didn't even ask her to. Yeah. Because um, that's usually for the Friday show, and we do that. Um, we do those quotes uh, around the theme of the show or whatever. And Q&A is, I don't know what the theme's going to be. It's going to depend on what you all ask. So uh, anyway, that's why we didn't do a quote for the show. All right. Uh, Leslie Bishop, are there chapters of the SEC hub in other areas? Um, Sounds awesome. There are not.
1: Nope. Unfortunately, I think there might be things similar to it in other places, but the Secular Hub is kind of a standalone thing here in Denver. Um, It would be nice if something like that could spread around and have different chapters of something like that in other states and cities. But unfortunately, right now, it's just the one location.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, and there are a couple other places in the world, in America, that are like the Secular Hub. They own their own building. They meet on secular principles, that kind of thing, right? It's sort of a non-religious congregation, if you will. And um, I know there's one down in, um, in uh, Arizona, Mesa or Phoenix. There's one. There's a, that's not a Secular Hub. It's a different thing. There's a tri-state Secular group over in Kentucky I did a talk with one Mm -hmm. time. So there are different groups around that are secular in nature. You can find atheist groups, secular groups, humanist groups, recovering from religion groups. Lots of these things are around. But there is only one secular hub. Okay, ex I know talking about Scientology and high control groups is fun for you. Doesn't it seem like that's almost all you do? Don't get me wrong, I love hearing you speak about it. What else do you do for fun? Thank you for asking me because it's not all I do. And in fact, these vacations and this time off and that perspective I was talking about is all about getting separation from this stuff. Um, You know, it's my chosen field of endeavor and my mission in life. And as I just laid out, this is what I do is try to help people out expose the abuses right and get people out of the cults um but i also love playing video games um totally got into that in the last few years totally got into that it's basically her fault i'm (laughs) I'm looking at her uh she turned me on to this uh this uh farming simulation game Mm -hmm. called stardew valley I, i i shouldn't even call it a farming simulation there's so much more to it but it's this really chill game and then um and then i started getting into some other first person mm-hmm. shooter games mm-hmm. and i uh, you know doom and those kind of things and uh, anyway yeah i play a lot of video games oh yeah uh, cult of the lamb by the way it's oh, got a, yeah. it's got an expansion coming out this month i um I'm, I'm 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 i love this game cult of the lamb is so fun it's just fun and it's got all the cult mechanics in it and they're enter- and they're and they're creating this expansion to bring in um uh sex as a control <laughs> function and as a as a as a source of reproduction so you can literally create second gen cult members in your cult it's a video game about running a cult it's 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 really quite funny anyway um yeah and i read and i watch movies and we play board games
1: yes lots of board games. we do
0: we really do uh we we were we were doing video games for a little while together but we found more More time and fun with board gaming. Right,
1: right, yeah.
0: Yeah. What do you, what, um, Civ kind of games?
1: Yeah, we really like those civilization kind of games, like Civilization, Sith, Scythe, however you say it. Uh, we just started learning Tapestry. Um,
0: we're about to start playing Terra Mystica. Yeah. Uh, today we're learning how to play that. So, uh, fun stuff. Right. We definitely, I definitely have a more well rounded life now than I did four or five years ago. I'm not as intensely like on a mission, air quotes, right? Uh, Where if I don't get this, you know, it's kind of one of those like somebody's wrong on the internet, you know, at (laughs) two in the morning, you know, those memes. That was kind of how I was all the time about this stuff. You know, I got to get this out. You don't understand. This video is so important. Uh And now it's kind of like, okay, well, the video is important, but it can wait till tomorrow, you know? (laughs) So it's kind of more like that these days. Okay, here's uh, Joe DiCepo, is the hub atheist or secular? it is atheist. It's 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 uh it's well, pretty atheist. Yeah. There's some
1: like agnostic sort of people, but yeah. there's not a lot of spiritual stuff or anything. There's very few people there that are like into spiritual stuff, so Yeah,
0: not not pretty much yeah. not. Uh, Michelle Carpenter. Hey, I was uh, giving you a shout out earlier, Michelle, on your Discord server. Did you see the Shelly Miscavige 2017 voter registration that was shared on Discord Friday night? I did. I did see that. Um, Interesting. It listed her address in Pretoria, something like that, in California. And... um, that was about it. I don't know what to make of that, other than it's interesting. Like, oh, yeah, that's an interesting dig up there. Um, I think Tony might make more out of that, or journalists might. I, I'm i really not sure what to think about it. Um, but I saw it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, certainly, I don't know, proof of life. <laughs> it's from 2017. So. Or voter fraud. Yeah, or vote. <laughs> a few <laughs> years ago. Um, yeah, I I don't know, Michelle. I I uh, I'm not, I guess I'm I want to be more impressed with it, but I'm not sure what it what 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 the deal is with it. You know, okay, kind of okay. thing. I, I and, and I'm probably being stupid. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm missing something obvious with it. But thank you for asking me about that. Uh, Fabian andiel, could you say that a cult is institutionalized narcissism? Uh, yes, you could very easily say that, and I think I have said that uh, amongst many other things. That cults are, are all about narcissism, or you know, in what we might call intense levels of self-interest, to the to a point where all perspective is lost. Mm-hmm. Um, cults are very, very centered around uh, narcissistic or predatory type individuals. I have. Um, You see me wanting to not use the word narcissist as often these days because it is indicative of a psychiatric disorder that actually requires diagnosis and treatment, and all narcissism is not necessarily malignant narcissism or destructive narcissism. You have benign narcissists who don't ever hurt a fly. They're just... Very, very, very self-involved, very <laughs> self involved people, exactly. So um so it's it's a thing. A cult is an institutionalized narcissism for sure. Um, but it's also other things too. Uh right, there's more to it than just that. So uh yeah. Anyway, just put it that I'll just give a yes no on that one. Vernon, how would Scientologists react if the church confessed to them that Hubbard had dementia in the end? How would church? How would Scientologists react? They wouldn't like that. They wouldn't want to hear that. There would be a rejection of that. There would be a denial of that. Um, there would be anger towards that. I'm sitting here literally listing the five stages. Right? It's gonna be. It, it's gonna be all those things. Uh, some people will accept it right away. Go. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's sad. And they'll but just okay. twist
1: it. They'll be like, Well, so right it's before he had dementia he did all these great things so what does it matter <laughs> that's sure. right that's right
0: that's that's the thing is no matter how they react to it they're going to have to encapsulate or enfold it into their belief set where even if he did suffer from some dementia he was still you know this godlike figure blah 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 yeah. blah right it, and they don't it was go the Satans. <laughs> it, well exactly and they don't go together very well do they right these two concepts don't go together very well so you're going to see some really creaking of the mental you know f- faculties to try to make that make sense and one of the things that's been so interesting to me over the years of doing this work is the uh, is the, the 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 sheer awe and wonder that i can have seeing the ways people manipulate their mind into a pretzel to make things like this make sense. They come up with ways of thinking mm-hmm. and 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 logical, you know, reasoning that is so illogical it it, it can't make any sense but it makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the most interesting. I'm telling you, it's just fascinating as a psychological study of cognitive dissonance to watch how people resolve that noise in their head, that dissonance. And this would be, you know, an example of where that might happen. Um, But I think in the most part, you would get an awful lot of denial and rejection of that, uh, and there would be a pushback against uh, against the church for trying to push that line that Hubbard was suffering from dementia. There would be a there would be an awful lot of people who would not want to hear that or not want to think that that is true and would reject that idea out of hand. I think that would be the I think that would be the majority response you would get at a Scientologist. Not like I said, there, you'd have a, you'd have a range of reactions. But I think that would be the biggest one. Joe Seppo, here's a great question. Um, do you think the drama within ex-cult communities is an expression of untreated trauma? Yes, I do. I've already said that many times. I absolutely think that that is the case. I think that uh, the ex-Scientology and ex-cult communities, I, I, this, is, this is a hill I will die on. This is a, thing I, a point of view I have that is, that is not really movable. Um, The ex-Scientology world, the ex-cult world, any cult you want to talk about, religious or not, is a trauma-based community. The thing that everybody has in common in that community is a shared experience of abuse and trauma. That's it. That's all we got together. We don't share ideology. We don't share... Um, re- religion necessarily as ex members we don't necessarily share views about entertainment or popular culture war issues We're, we you know the thing about ex cult members especially is they thrive in and our in our seeking freedom of thought and belief and they revel in it and they get pretty militant about it too like if you know this is my opinion now and i don't have to think the way everybody else thinks and right and they can mm-hmm. get and and part of that that they get comes out of that defensiveness of not being allowed for years and years and years to think and feel and and believe what they wanted to, or that they had to fix on a very specific belief set and they couldn't think outside that box. And once you get out of a situation like that, you go, whoa, I can think anything. And you do. And you start thinking all kinds of crazy, wild, wonderful things. You just experience and chew on and, and want to experience all kinds of stuff. If you're a imaginative, out there, creative, you know, wanting to experience kind of person, other people, independent Scientologists, for example, right, will then take their belief set and then they'll just double and triple down on it after after they get out of the cult. And you see this happen. And so there's this, in, in other words, there's a wide variety of, of, of opinions and attitudes and ideas that people get after they're out of the cult, but they're still stuck with the cult habits and thought patterns and thinking, the, the way that the thinking happens there. You're still stuck with that until you undo it, and, a, and undoing cultic habits and patterns takes effort and time and work and dedication and even a, a, a kind of discipline to work at it. It's therapy, it's education, it's working on yourself, it's journaling, it's doing whatever you need to do to get that stuff out so it's not burdening you anymore, so it's not like running your life anymore. Some people don't even realize everything I just said is a thing. They think, oh, I got out. I'm not under L. Ron Hubbard anymore. I'm not reading L. Ron Hubbard every day anymore. So therefore, I'm free. And they're not. Mm -hmm. They're not. Not until they do the work to free themselves of the language and and the mental constructs and overcome however they need to through therapy or otherwise... The physical abuse and emotional and psychological abuse and stress, right? Even sexual abuse that people suffer in these groups—they have to do things to overcome that, and um, or you know, or learn to live with it, or adjust to it, or move on from it, or however you want to put it, right? Basically, recover from it, um, not not continue to be traumatized by those experiences. However, you know, however one goes about doing that, and there's lots and lots and lots of ways to do it. So if you're not doing that work or even paying any attention to that work or if you feel, I don't need to do any of that work, then you're going to still carry around those cult habits. And cult habits are strong by design. They are laid in repetitiously, uh, frequently, and with force. They're not options. You don't go into a cult and, and get to decide whether you're going to meditate for 5 hours today or not. That's the rule. That's what you're going to do. And you got to you know, and you, and you, and when you're in that for days, months, years at a time and you come out of that, it's going to stay with you. Right? And so getting rid of that stuff is key to all of this. So I think I I I'm absolutely positive that a lot of the drama, not all the drama is based in this trauma, but I think an awful lot of it is. You know, it's trauma drama. Call it that. And uh, and I think there's an awful lot of that in ex-cult communities. And I, and I really, my eyes really opened up to this. You know, we talk about how, you know, if you wanna wake somebody up from a cult or you wanna show somebody something about a cult and they're in it, you can't talk to them about their cult. You gotta go show them stuff about other cults, other activities where they're not quite as connected, you know, intimately connected with it. It's the same thing with this. If you go over to other ex cult communities that you're not so familiar with or so part of, you'll see the same trauma drama going on over there too. XJW's, ex Mormons, ex Nexium people, ex whatever. They all do this. Uh, the trauma drama game, right? And so um and I am I am, you know, ashamed and embarrassed to you know, I have to pony up, own up to the fact that I certainly have contributed to my share of it over the years. Uh, 100% out of my own bullshit and trauma, too. Absolutely. Own that shit 100% as much as I can um, because we all say and do really stupid stuff because of our emotional, you know, reactions in the moment. And, and there is nothing quite like ex-cult emotional trauma <laughs> it's really something uh and we can start looking at each other as enemies and that kind of thing and and uh attacking one another and all of that and i'm i i do not want to have anything to do with any of that i really don't so um so there's my answer to that question joe thanks for asking um fabian see what we're doing here. How, we, how are we? Oh, wow. Yeah, we're I can't
1: getting close. believe
0: this hour goes so fast. <laughs> Let me see if I can uh, whip out some more answers real fast here. What would be a good phrase to say to a current Scientology victim to put a seed of doubt in his or her mind? When was the last time you saw your family?
1: Mm, that's a good one, yeah.
0: Talked to your mom recently. Do you have any friends outside of Scientology? Are you happy? Did you imagine that this is where you would be uh, 10 years ago? Was this the goal you had for your life? How, uh, how many hours a week are you working and are you in actually enjoying it or does it seem like a grind? Why do you think that is? There would be, those would be some examples of questions you could ask to people that will be insightful, personal, direct to them and get them thinking about their own circumstances in life. That's about as best as you can do with somebody on a one shot. You don't know them, you don't know anything about them that's my best uh, recommendation for questions you could throw at somebody. Um, okay, Fabian also asks: Do you think the TR bull baiting is a good exercise to train yourself to deal with difficult people? Um, yes and no. It's a form of it's an exercise of disassociation that the way the TRs are done in Scientology, the training routines. And um, so you have to do hours and hours and hours and hours of disassociation exercise called OTTR0 and TR0, which is just sitting there in a chair saying and doing nothing. OTTR0 is with your eyes closed, TR0 is with your eyes open. Okay. Bull bait is the third part where you then start getting sh- shit talked, where oh. you're sitting there and you're trying to look at this person and confront them and they're gonna start shit talking you and teasing you and okay. embarrassing you and saying embarrassing stuff to you and stuff like that. And they can say and do anything. Wow. And I mean anything. Jesus. Cross any boundaries, cross, say any words, offensive or not, no one in bullbait cares. Now, could that be something that is useful and helpful to somebody? Yes, it could be. Uh, it could be a very interesting exercise for people in short bursts and done in a respectful fashion. Uh, done in a way, in other words, where everybody's on the same page and you're not offensively violating their boundaries and diving into their personal space okay, and that when they don't want you to. Right? There'd have to be agreements and informed consent and that kind of thing. Um, But, um, yeah, it absolutely could be an interesting and useful exercise for people to be able to, you know, kind of deal with uh, nonsense being thrown in their face. But I think there are far, far, far better ways of getting that end result without having to do this confrontational, offensive drilling in order to kind of deal with um, people in your face. I think there's other ways of going about that that are not, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, don't have to don't have to be this, you know, don't have to do it that way. Um, yeah, just throwing that out there. Okay, Miss um, Tara Green. Does everyone deserve compassion? What about Vladimir Putin or Miss do you think
1: mm, i don't know i'm having trouble because it's like i want to on the one end i want to be like sure everybody has trauma and can turn out to be whatever and then the other part of me is like yeah but uh the, some people are really awful like i mean putin is awful miscavige is awful of course the usual example of hitler was an awful piece of crap you know it's just like So can you really have compassion for everybody? Does everyone deserve compassion? I don't know. It seems like that's a hard one because some people really do awful things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, not everybody deserves Mm. compassion. Um, there's a line in the sand where you start victimizing other people as a, as a form of making a living in the world, or getting by in the world, and that's called predatory behavior. And mm-hmm. predatory behavior is not compassionate behavior, and it's not empathetic behavior. It's behavior that is designed, is premeditated to victimize and right. take advantage of other right. people. Um, this is the way that certain people develop their personality and their lives in order to navigate their life. They decide. They make this, there's like this, okay, this is what we're going to do. Or they're genetically put together in such a way that that's how they are from the get-go. And they just kind of run their life that way. And I can have compassion and empathy for the child who was turned into that by abusive parents or generational trauma or environmental circumstances or all of the above. I can have an awful lot of compassion and empathy for that child growing into that system or growing into that way of thinking and being, but I don't know why I would need to or or why they would deserve, and the word you used is deserve, why they would deserve my compassion after they live a life of um, premeditatively victimizing right. and abusing other people. Not
1: getting any help and still just... Yeah. Continuing to be an abuser. Yeah.
0: Basically, there are certain people who who cross the line where they just need to be stopped. Yes. And it's not about how we stop them. They just need to be stopped. Whether we do it nicely or we do it forcefully uh, or even violently, it needs to happen because what they're doing in their day-to-day is so wrong, is so uh, abusive and damaging and, and even life-ending.
1: Right, like serial killers, yeah. Right, or Putin. Yeah.
0: I mean, you get on his bad side, he'll kill you. Yeah, he'll have you... Just straight up, thrown jump out a window. Out
1: of a window, yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, another one of Putin's uh, enemies suddenly mysteriously committed suicide jumping out a window, you know? I mean, this happens again and again and again, or get poisoned, or, or, or. Mm -hmm. Um, These are not good people. So do they deserve compassion? No. No, they don't deserve compassion. They are human beings who have human rights and should be accorded those rights as we can afford to give them to them and still have them in society. They have a right to live. I don't want to go kill them. But I do want to stop them from victimizing and hurting other people.
1: And if that Um, means they have to be locked up in the place for a long time, then that's what it means. Basically. It doesn't mean that the place that they're locked up in gets to commit human rights violations towards them. But they need to be away from society.
0: (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. so that's i don't know that's that Mm -hmm. i could go on and on and on and on and on about this this is a big big question actually so thanks for asking tara but um complicated it it is um but but i think they need to be stopped that's that's my bottom line there okay miss tara green uh what do you think of marilyn honig Uh, i don't um i think marilyn's an ex-scientologist producing content more power to her that's what i think um when does 90 day fiance ex-scientology come uh I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have no idea. Uh, Paula Pecorini, Scientology and Other Cults offer a lot of stuff to write about, sociologically and psychologically speaking. Are you considering another book and have it translated in other languages? <laughs> uh, Paula, thank you for this question. Yes, I um, do have other books I want to write, I am I'm, I'm, I'm definitely have goals for that. Um, and I'm not going to overpromise and underdeliver again. I'm not going to tell you guys what my plans are, but I do have plans. Um, I've got these other things I'm getting done first. And it is an absolutely culture, absolutely fascinating topics to discuss sociological and psychological principles. All kinds of them, and there, there are so many things that are manifested that we can see so obvious in cults that just come out to the surface. And there, they, this same stuff exists in other groups, other activities uh, with people. But it just, it's, uh, it's such a great way to to show these things and show these principles. So I definitely want to do that. Translating into other languages is a hell of a lot more expensive than I ever imagined it would be, and I am really kind of stuck on getting that done uh, with any of my work because it's it's thousands of dollars to Whew. get a, a book translated, even in just, just one language. Just wow. Just one, right? So it's yeah, it's a rough one on that one. So I, I have to say I'm I'm I'm, um, it's difficult on that one. I, yeah. I, I see I see the time. We will, we will try to wrap this up very, very quickly. Um, secular Web. I guess I did miss your question, OBG Foster. Um, they say it takes 10 years to deconstruct from a cult. Now that it's been 10 years, what has been the easiest and hardest things to deconstruct? Do you feel totally over it? Okay, great question. And it has been 10 years. And let me say that the easiest thing to deconstruct or get away from with the language was um, shedding the anti-psychiatry stuff, yeah. for me, was the easiest. Yeah. Um, I you know, read a few books, did, did some research, and I didn't think the same way Scientology does about psychiatry anymore. So that was really cool. Um, hardest things to deconstruct, emotional stuff which is why I harp on it all the time because it's so meaningful to me because it meant so much to me taking all that stuff apart for Scientology. That's why I go on and on about it and why I talk about emotional needs all the time. That's why I'm so hung up on that is because I think it's such a powerful core element of who and what we are as human beings. And it took me so long to figure that out and, and, and take Hubbard's bullshit about emotions apart his his it, almost every single thing that man said about emotions is wrong literally almost every single thing um, so it was a lot of work taking that apart and i'm a, i'm an emotional person who wants to experience emotions likes to experience emotions uh, i feel them very strongly but um, boy they're powerful stuff yes they are you know powerful stuff so that's been the that i think has been the path of most resistance within me dealing with stuff over the years um and and who of us uh, who who of human beings cult or not has it down when it comes to emotions right i mean it's it's that's the other thing about this is that one of the things that i've found over the years is you take this stuff apart enough and you start coming down to human stuff and um and, and things that are about you that you thought maybe were culty, but actually, no, it's, it's deeper than that, or it's more personality part, or it's more cultural, or it's more educational. It's not just from the cult. So there's, so there's a mix of this stuff, too. You know, we're kind of a mosaic quilt of, of, of influences that make us who and what we are, you know. So, um, so it's, yeah, so that's, that's what I've been um, experiencing with that. Okay, I'm I'm almost done. (laughs) Uh, Okay, we have here, have you seen or played the video game Indiana Jones and the Great Circle? Um, I've seen or heard about it, haven't played it yet.
1: That's why way I want to go.
0: Okay. 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 I got it.
1: My blood sugar is getting low. That's okay. why you're hearing beepings and boopings.
0: Sorry, guys. All right. Last question. We're going. Dementia question. I want to mention the leader of the cult I was in has dementia mention the followers are in denial and call it crazy wisdom and transcend it. That might be similar. Hell, yes, that might be similar, Joe. Great response there. All right. We gotta go. So thank you very much, everybody, for coming around and watching us gab on at a mad rate about this stuff. We really appreciate your viewership and support. And uh, with that, I think we're gonna wrap up. Oh, let me get that off the screen. (laughs) All right, Uh, we'll just close that. All right, guys. Uh, See you tomorrow on the After Scientology Straight Up and Vertical, that'll post tomorrow. And then we will see you next Friday for Critical Conversations. Bye-bye.
1: Goodbye.